This message is presented by Pastor Chuck Wilson. Okay, so here we go. The fourth and final prophecy sermon for Mark 13. And then we're going to jump ahead to Daniel and Revelation and go into great detail about a lot of things we've already talked about. We're going to go study in detail on these. It's all started because of a lot of spiritual interest and all the fear out there in the world, but spiritual interest a lot of among a lot of Christians about what is going on, and that's why we entitled this um, Making Sense of This Crazy World. That's why we entitled the, the series that, that was going to be ongoing, although right now our series is actually called Are You Ready? Part 4, The Second Coming of Jesus Christ, The Birth This Time. And we're going to be in Mark 13, 24 to 37. But all that's going on, the coronavirus, the fires, the earthquakes, the weather, the locust plagues, the, 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 which is going to be sparking famines apparently, the worldwide political upheaval, the United States and this incredible division has sparked so much interest in, in end times uh, interest. Now, none of this should catch us off guard. We've talked about that. We're focusing on biblical prophecy, making sense of this crazy world. And uh, if you are, you can look on the graphic underneath the sermon, whether you're on the podcast or the YouTube, you can click on below there and, and see the whole outline. Basically, we've already looked at the, the birth pains, which were the false messiahs, the wars, the earthquakes, and the famines. Then we looked at the contractions, which increase in frequency and intensity. We saw persecution, apostasy, false prophets and teachers, increase in wickedness, and worldwide evangelism, witnessing. Then we saw the water break with the Antichrist and the false prophet. And today we come to the birth itself, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Oh, we hope it's soon. <laughs> we hope it's soon. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna look at that. We're gonna see the grand finale. We're gonna see be aware of the signs and finally be ready. Okay. So that's you, once again you can look at the whole outline underneath there, and uh, and once again we're gonna go into Daniel and Revelation and go w- much more into depth on this whole thing. Let's pray first of all. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that as Christians we're not shocked by what's going on. We're, none of this is catching us off guard unless we don't know your word and we're not in your word. But there, none of this should catch us off guard. You've told us what's going to happen. You've told us how to be prepared as we're going to see amazing preparation that we're going to see today. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through your word, that your mercy and grace would would move here in, in a powerful way as we do this study of your prophecies and in the in the, your word we pray that in jesus name amen okay so we're going to be looking now at the second coming the second coming and let's read mark 13 24 to 27 first of all 13 24 to 27 but in those days following that distress the sun will be darkened the moon will not give its light the stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. So this is the second coming. This is the grand finale. When you go see the fireworks, 
you see all the fireworks going on and, you, and, and then they start getting closer and closer and stronger and stronger and you know the climax is coming, the grand finale is coming. We're at the beach, uh, the beach house with grandpa and grandma and we all, the kids are all up top and I always joke when as soon as it starts to get a little hotter and then there's a pause, I say, well that was the grand finale, let's all go downstairs and, and some of them start to move and I was like, boom, 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 it keeps going and we keep playing that. But when it really comes, there's no doubt. When it's really <clears throat> the grand finale, there's no doubt. And that's what it's going to be like with Jesus coming again. All these contractions and all the things that are happening. But when he comes again, there's not going to be any doubt. Verse 26, you can't miss it. Uh, they're, going to, they're going to see him. There's no way we're going to miss it. Everyone will see. You won't need CNN to let you know he's here. They probably wouldn't cover it anyway. Uh, but the, you know, the angels will gather the elect once again. Um, we're going to see this as we go through uh, Daniel and Revelation. But today I want to focus on what Jesus says following this prophecy of his second coming. He said, here's the second coming, but he gives us some warnings and preparations to be careful of. And the first one is he tells us to be aware, to be aware. Mark 13, 28 to 31, to be aware. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So he says, be aware, be aware. And he uses a fig tree illustration that when you see the leaves coming out, you know it's almost summer. We're in the springtime, we see the leaves coming out, we know summer's on its way. The different flowers, picking lots of lilacs right now, having a great time with the kids, with Laurel, uh, just picking all these flowers. And you know it, we know that it's almost summer. And he says in the same way, look for the signs that he's talked about, the birth pains, the contractions, the water breaking. Look for the signs that he's talked about because that means his return is near. And he talk, it's interesting that he talks about a fig tree, that he uses that picture of a fig tree blossoming and then follows it up with this generation. This generation. Generation obviously can't mean the people who are alive with Jesus. They're all dead now. So he couldn't have meant that generation. It's impossible. But the word also means, the word for generation also means race of people. That's another meaning for it, a race of people. In this case, the Jewish people. Israel, God's chosen nation, would be preserved, would not pass away, would not, would not, uh, would not be gone, it would be preserved until Jesus Christ's second coming. The second coming. And there are a lot, I, that's a miracle. Also, the fig tree is also used as a picture of Israel in the Bible. Israel and the Bible. The nation of Israel appeared to be dead for 2,000 years. Even many Christians thought it would never come back again. It was all symbolic. It wasn't actual. I, I knew an older pastor when I was in college. He was preaching on it. And he said, I remember I would tell people that Israel would become a nation once again because the Bible preaches that and teaches that. And he was mocked by these other Christians, these Christians from different eschatology backgrounds. And they say, that will never happen. And sure enough, it happened. And then it's it just, they, they, they were missing. They were missing the prophetic peace. But in miraculously, in 1948, they became a nation again against all odds. It, they are the only people of antiquity to be resurrected again. The only ones. And, they're in, and they were in danger of being wiped out during the Holocaust, yet 
that very event opened the door for the return to their promised land, to Israel to be reestablished again. Then they were attacked by the Arab nations. They were outnumbered 50 to 1, tanks against rifles, and miraculously they win a stunning victory. They, they win and they, their, their nation is established. Israel becoming a nation again should get our attention. Israel is the key to God's prophetic calendar. That's his, his, his timepiece. This is, <clears throat> this is the, the, the sign that this, he says this generation, this race is still here. Just as Jesus predicted, the fig tree is not dead. The leaves are there. Now, now that this has happened, watch for the temple to be rebuilt. I know people still mock that, even Christian people, uh, pastors from, once again, different eschatology backgrounds. They say, it'll never happen. Can you believe people believe that it'll happen? That's ignorance speaking because the Bible says it will happen. Jesus said it would happen. And so that, that is, is a very, it's, it's sad that people think that way. Watch for the temple to be rebuilt. The Passover is, reenactment is already being set up. They're already gathering the materials uh, to, to, for this new temple. And something's going to happen to flatten that temple mount and the temple will be rebuilt. Mark my words, because Jesus said it. Mark my words, that temple will be rebuilt. And it's, and it's also, we talked about the Antichrist. We talked about he's going to make some kind of peace deal and work it out for it to be rebuilt. And you saw all the things we talked about last time. Which leads us to the second thing that Jesus tells us. Be aware and be ready. Be ready. This is very, very important. Be ready. Mark 13, Mark 13, 32 to 37. And here we'll pick it up with verse 32. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servant in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back again, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch, watch, be ready. Jesus says, be ready. Wait, do you mean Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back again? Only the Father does? How can that be? Well, we've already talked about this many times, how Jesus and the Father are equally God, but we also saw how the Son has voluntarily submitted his will to the Father's will in all things with the cross he submitted himself to the cross. With the resurrection, he trusted God to bring him back from the dead. And even the second coming, he's completely submitted to his Father's will, even though Jesus is fully God, just like the Father. Verse 33 says, Be on your guard. Be alert. Even if it's in the middle of the night, you better be ready. You don't know when he's coming. When I was in seminary, I worked as a security guard. And, and for one summer, I did the midnight shift. I used to do 5 o'clock at night till midnight, but then during the summer, they put me on the midnight shift because I didn't have school. And wow, was that hard to stay awake. It was tough, but I had to. I never fell asleep, but boy, did I want to. I had to get up and walk and walk and walk. It was crazy. It was hard, but this is what... I never fell asleep, and we as Christians had better not fall asleep. We, we have to fight to stay awake and to be ready and be on our alert. Verse 34 to 37, he says to keep watch. We are all given a job to do. 
to be faithful to that job? Will we be ready when Jesus Christ comes again? Will we get tired? Will we get burned out? Will we get distracted? Will we, will we focus on the, the wrong things? Will we fall into sin? Very important that we are, we are faithful to the job that Jesus Christ has given each one of us to do. I remember when I was on the farm, and it was really hard for my dad to take a vacation with the five kids because we were younger and there was no one to leave the farm with. And he finally, it was really, really hard for him to take a vacation. But he, I remember he finally borrowed my grandpa and grandma had a, a camper, bus camper, and it was so much fun. We all went away to Lake uh, Lake Paseco in the Adirondacks, Paseco Lake in the Adirondacks. And we took that week away and we had a great, great time at Lake Paseco. Uh, Adirondacks, but we came home to a mess. The, the, the people that my dad had hired, the young men that my dad had hired, a lot of them were teenagers, a group of them, they had a wild time. They crashed the tractor. They were, they just made a mess. They, they did not follow my father's instructions. They left a huge mess. They even shot the turtles. They were shooting at the, the snapping turtles in the pond. And my parents actually liked those turtles. He shot a bunch of them. And one of them, one of the guys while he was shooting at the, the, the turtles, the bullet ricocheted off the water, went a quarter of a mile away to another farm and hit somebody. Hit a guy and grazed him in the chest, knocked him down with the bullet. The police came. There were arrests. It was a big mess. My dad came home to a mess. He didn't take another vacation for seven years because he couldn't just couldn't trust anybody. Not until we were older and we were teen, older teenagers. We were old enough to take over, and he left us in charge with strict rules on which we we all followed very carefully. <coughs> Anywho, uh, Matthew twenty four. 45 to 51 goes into more detail on this very thing. Matthew 24, 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the, the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time, and he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, at an hour when he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We know where that is. Uh, so, this is a very serious warning. We can't just sit around and wait. We have work to do. We have work to do. Are we faithful? Are we being faithful to the call? It doesn't have to be a spectacular. It could be just feeding, feeding people. It, it, you know, it, it, whatever job God has given us, it's not how important that job is. It's the importance is that we're faithful to what God has called us to. Are we ready for the second coming? Or the rapture, whichever comes first. Are we ready for that? Are we ready? Uh, there's so many preppers out there these days, especially even now it's even bigger with uh, the coronavirus, but spiritual preparation is even more vital, even more vital than getting enough food stored away or enough toilet paper hidden away. Uh, very, very important. Are, are, we, are you ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ? If you have not acted on the first coming of Jesus Christ, you are not ready for the second coming. The first coming when Jesus came to die for us, he came to live a perfect life to prove he was the son of God by his miracles and his perfection and his teaching. And he came to die on the cross 
for our sin in our place. He took the sin of mankind on himself and that so that if we will put our faith in him, we can be forgiven, we can be reconnected with God, we can be given a new life here on earth and life forever with God in heaven someday. We are given that, but we have to act on that first coming. It's not just that we know about it, we have to act on it. And the way we act on it is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? We'll come back to that in just a few minutes at the end. What if Jesus came right now? Right now. As, uh, may say you've already put your faith in Jesus. What if, he came, what if he came right now? Would we be shocked? We should be shocked. We've talked about this. We started off, we started off with this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 4. The people are, are shocked. Well, I'll read it. Now, brothers, about times and dates that we not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. We don't know when he's going to come. Jesus come like a thief. There's no point in trying to guess the day or set dates. Somebody sets dates, unplug the TV, you know, switch channels, fake faults. Okay, we think we can't know. But, now get this, for uh, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. There we go. Labor pains, we all know about that. So, it's going to shock the world. It's going to shock the, the non-Christians, the unbelievers, those who don't know Jesus. But you, verse 4, but you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. We can't know the time or date, but it shouldn't surprise us because we should know it's coming. We should recognize the birth pains, the contractions, the, the water breaking, the dam breaking. We should recognize that it shouldn't surprise us. If Jesus came now, would we be shocked? Would we be ashamed because we're living like the world? Would we be ashamed? Would we, would, if, if, if he came now, would we be sorry he came at this right now? Revelation 18.4 says this, a warning, and we're going to see this when we hit Revelation. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Revelation 18.4, Come out of her, my people. Come out of her, my people. So that you will not share in her sins. So that you will not receive any of her plagues. He's talking about Babylon. That's a picture of the world also. Get out of the world. Stay out of the world. And, and get the world out of you. Get it out of us. Very important to get out of the world and, and recognize what's going on and escape from the judgment that is coming on the world. Very, very important. Fascinating history. Fascinating history. This is by George Horton. You can, great article. I just reading his name because he did, I liked his article the best. It says, Be ye also ready, the amazing Christian escape from the AD 70 destruction of Jerusalem. Fascinating. Once again, an application, but a light lesson for us today. See how the Holy Spirit applies it to our lives. When the Roman legions destroyed Judea and Jerusalem in AD 70, we already talked about that. The Roman, uh, the, the Jewish historian who did the history of Rome, Josephus, says that more than a million Jews were killed and nearly 100,000 were taken captive. Yet while the Jews suffered, suffered starvation, slaughter, and capture, their fellow Jewish Christians, they were Jewish also, but they were Jewish followers of Jesus Christ, Jewish Christians in Jerusalem escaped. How were the Christians spared? 
How and why? About 37 years before the destruction, Jesus had foretold the terrible events that would follow his death. He warned his followers to immediately flee Jerusalem when the signs he predicted occurred. The Christian community carefully watched for the signs and followed the Savior's warnings. They were watching for the birth pains. They were watching for the contractions. They were watching for the, the, the water to break because there was a double prophecy. A lot of these things happened then, but then they it jumped to the future we're going to see them happen all over again in a much deeper way for the second coming, okay? So they were ready. They were ready for the, the warnings that Jesus had given in the Scripture. They were watching, just like we should be paying attention to Revelation and what's coming They in Daniel, what's coming. They were ready because they had listened to Jesus. History reveals the stunning fact that the believers obeyed the warning, fled Jerusalem to a town called Pella, and thus saved themselves the early Christian scholar Eusebius wrote, The whole body, however, of the church at Jerusalem, having been commanded by divine revelation, given to men of approved piety there before the war, removed from the city and dwelt at a certain town beyond the Jordan called Pella. Epiphanes also attested to the Christian escape. It is very remarkable that not a single Christian perished in the destruction of Jerusalem, though there were many there when uh, Cestius Gallus invested the city, and had he pres pres persevered in the siege, he would soon have rendered himself master of it. But when he unexpectedly and unaccountably raised the siege, the Christians took that opportunity to escape. Something happened. Jesus gave them a reprieve. They got out of the city. They were paying attention. Then Vespian comes back again, was approaching with his army. All who believed in Christ left Jerusalem and fled to Pella and other places beyond the River Jordan. So they were all marvelously escaped, the general shipwreck of their country. Not one of them perished. These are Jewish believers in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Pella must not have been the only destination of fleeing Christians, but it was the most prominent one at the time. The flight to Pella took place in AD 66, during the attack by Gallus. Four years later came the fall of Jerusalem. Titus laid siege to the capital. His battering rams broke down the great walls. The Jews, who were already suffering from plunder, murder, pestilence, and famine among themselves, were easy prey for the fire and swords of the 10th Roman Legion. Jesus had given adequate warning, and those who heeded the prophecies survived, while most others perished. Pella continued as an important Christian center for more than 70 years during the time that Jerusalem remained desolate. The Lord told us that the signs that pre preceded the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple shall occur again, including the abomination of desolation in the end times. They're going to happen again, even on a much harsher scale, a lot more intense and frequent contractions. The Christians who fled to Pella, we're going to see that when we go through Revelation, the Christians who fled to Pella and the other places beyond, such as Antioch and later Ephesus, were saved. Would we have been among them? Wow. Wow. They were ready. They paid attention to the God's word. They were listening to spiritual men as they were giving them, uh, preaching the word prophetically. They were listening to them. And they, they survived because of that. Amazing. Are we discerning? Are we paying attention? Are we listening? Are we figuring out what's going on with this coronavirus? What's going on in the world today? What's going on in the United States with all this division and, and this, this 
animosity and hate toward Christians that's coming from about half the country now? Are we, are we paying attention to what is God doing? What is he doing? Uh, are we living and serving God faithfully? Right where we are, no matter how bad it gets, are we paying attention? The USA is sinking fast. Who knows if we'll even recover from the coronavirus and the economy and everything. It, 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 but, but morally and spiritually, we are sinking fast. I've been talking about this as we've gone through this whole thing. Six percent of Americans have a biblical worldview. That is scary. Scary. But we can't give up. Or hide out as Christians. <laughs> we can't. We have to learn. The, we have to be discerning, but we can't. We can't just go into our hobbit holes because we have a job to do. We have a job to do right now. There may become a time when we do have to go find a place and and hide out with if the Antichrist is here and all that. We can't buy and sell. There may come that time, but right now, before the water breaks, right now we have a job to do. We have a job to do, very, very important. We, we, we can learn the lesson from the church in China. We are facing nothing compared to the church in China. We always talk about the Chinese and the virus and, and the economy and the, 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 the USA and China butting heads. But we forget, there's a hundred million Christians in China. And they are brothers and sisters in Christ. And they are, we are in bond with them. We're, we have a better bond with them. We have a much closer bond with them through Jesus than we have with our own country or, and, the, and them with their country. We are at odds with our country, just like they are at odds with their country. We are, we are aliens here. We are citizens of heaven. That's where our citizenship is. is. And we, we are facing nothing compared to them. Nothing. They are getting churches bulldozed. They are being killed. They are being persecuted. They, they are, they are bulldozing churches with people inside of them. It's crazy the stories that come out day after day. If you don't get open door ministry or voice of the martyrs, if you're not following this stuff, shame on you. Get it. Read it. It's easy to get online. It comes in regularly. Get the updates. But, but yet, even though they're facing this incredible pressure and persecution, I'm going to just read you one story. There's an underground church movement there that is amazing. That is the church there. They have to go underground because in order to have a church building, they have to go along with the communist government and this fake patriotic church that they're trying to force everybody into. It's tiny compared to the real church in China. They've gone underground just like we may have to do soon, just like the church in America may have to do soon. This whole coronavirus may be preparing us for that. It may be impossible for us to meet in big groups. It's already impossible now. I mean, look what they've done to the people who have tried to do it. I'm not saying they should be doing it with the coronavirus. I'm not trying to make it, but I'm simply saying, look how it's preparing the way. Look how it's preparing the way. That hostility is preparing the way. That's what we're seeing. And so... Uh, but we may have to go underground and, and the church might be a lot healthier because the American church has, ha, church has been worldly, has, has been this deep, <laughs> an, an inch deep uh, instead of a mile deep. You know, it's a mile wide and an inch deep. That's the American church. It's not biblically based. Six percent of Americans have a biblical worldview. The church has failed in America. God will remedy that. It's called persecution. But yet, look what they have done. They've gone underground. And I'm just going to read you one church. One church. Uh, one story that I was just reading. It was uh, in World Magazine a couple years back. Uh, so I'm just going to read you some excerpts about this one church. Early Rain Church does not fit the common assumption about house churches in China. 
it meets in a commercial space. This one actually meets in a commercial space, not in a home, although that nothing wrong with it. Lots of its members don't keep to themselves, and they are not low key. This is lessons for us. The church started in a, a Presbytery. Oh, it started a Presbytery, a seminary, and a classical Christian school. Next year, it plans to open the the country's first Christian liberal arts college. Ministries reach out to the most. Its ministries reach out to the most marginalized in the Chinese society, the politically sensitive, the unborn, the orphan. Early Rain is also the first house church to use legal means to successfully counter government persecution. Yet, as a trailblazing church, Early Rain is in the crosshairs should the government decide to crack down on unregistered churches. They may have already done it since this article came out a couple years ago. I haven't been following them since. The church leaders temper their expectations <clears throat> and plans with a possibility that the government could shut them down at any time. Despite the risks, these bold believers continue to work, continue the work God has called them to, and believe that no church can fall outside the will of the Father. No matter what happens, it's in God's will. Pastor Wang, most Ch- Chinese preachers are fiery. He calls the government-run three self-patriotic movement church a movement of the Antichrist. <laughs> and he's right. And we're seeing that same church movement in the USA today with all the false teachers and the apostate churches separating from the, the true churches. We're seeing that now. Uh, when a magnitude earthquake hit 2008, killing 87,000 people, Wang's church suddenly became the receiving center for Christians all across the nation who gathered to, to rescue and to, to provide food and, and to minister to people. Um, he said he was in his apartment building way up high and he watched the buildings around him sway several feet in each direction. Seeing buildings move, you realize that they are, aren't solidly planted. Nothing is stable. Life is short. So you need to do the most important and worthwhile things. You can always rewind this and replay this. <laughs> Words for us today, right? In 2009, officials kicked early rain out of its rented buildings, forcing the church to meet outside by a river for three months. We could be doing that soon. <laughs> I've got several good options, all right? Uh, we have a lake and a river. We've got some spots, some great spots. During that time, the church leaders secretly arranged to buy a new office space, which would afford them greater rights. Again, the church openly appealed the government's eviction charges, and again, the officials canceled the proceedings. So somehow, they got away with it again. God's timing, all right? Churches from around China visit them, hoping to replicate the school that they've started, but struggle to find mature Christian teachers who can teach from a biblical worldview. Hmm. Would we have that same problem in our church, in your church, in this country? 6%. Uh, early Rain plans to open a Christian liberal arts college. When the college founder, Lee, I can't read his last name, tells other churches about those plans, the main response is shock. How can a house church start a college? Lee said that that Chinese Christians need to rethink their ideas of college. Rather than a large campus, why not start with a few committed teachers and 20 students? Hmm. Lee has considered the possibility that government may shut down early rain even before the college doors open. Yet, we know that decision is in God's hands, not the government's. First you do it, and if you don't, and if you get closed down, maybe it's because God hasn't finished preparing you to start the college yet. But if you don't do it, how would you know he didn't give you this opportunity? 
Early rain is also leading in other areas, especially in regard to the sensitive sanctity of life issues in China. They have a whole other issue, one child policy, although that's been relaxed somewhat. The church pro-life ministry has spoken out against abortion by giving talk at churches, passing out flyers, and launching social media campaigns. The group has helped about 15 mothers facing unplanned pregnancies. This was back when it was just starting. Who knows what has happened now? Uh, would your church do that? So many churches here are afraid to even talk about abortion. They justify it. Oh, the Bible doesn't use the word abortion, so I don't preach about it. That's a bunch of... Well, I'm not going to say what it is, but I grew up on a farm. You know what I'm thinking. And uh, that's, that's, that's a cowardice. That is unfaithfulness to the Word of God. That's what that is. And we as churches have better speak prophetically and, and boldly and powerfully for the unborn. And we better help women who have gone through abortions to find healing because they are in pain. And men who have lost their babies, same thing, sacrifice their babies, same thing, to find healing. We better be that kind of place. We better be that kind of place. Uh, over time, they had a, con uh, well, anyway, uh, they started doing foster care and adoption, which is awesome, which we as Christians should be constantly doing. Um, I know a lot of people in our church are already involved with, and a lot of churches involved, Christ Home and all these different things. Well, anyway, amazing. And then finally it says here, stepping out into the open is rife with risk, especially as the climate for religious liberties and freedom of speech continue to chill. Sounds like the USA Today, doesn't it? Yet openness allows the church to take its place as a city on a hill to influence all levels of the Chinese society. Should the government begin a nationwide campaign against house churches, Wang is ready for the worst. It's the cost of being a pioneer, but one that he's willing to pay. We, can, we as uh, Christians in the USA, as we approach these end times, we better get busy. We better be ready for persecution. We better get busy. We can learn from what the believers in China are going through and how they're responding. Because we're just a hop, skip, and a jump behind them. Behind them. What if Jesus Christ came back right now? Whether it's a rapture or a second coming, what if he came right right now? As Christians, are, are we being faithful? Are we doing what he's called to do? What do we need to clean out of our lives? Maybe it's a phone. Maybe it's the computer. Maybe it's what we see on TV. Whatever. Maybe what do we need to get busy with? What do we need to do to fulfill our purpose or our call? Right where we are. Who are we, who is God calling us to witness to? Are we, are we praying for those open doors and, and looking for that chance and throwing out those hooks? What steps, what specific steps do we need to take with, besides witnessing, but discipleship and mentoring and ministry? What is God calling us to do? We're shut down here with this coronavirus, but uh, hopefully when we restart again, we're going to not just go back to the same old, same old, but we're going we're gonna to move forward. Each of us reevaluating our lives and refocusing our priority and fulfilling God's purposes for our life. And we can do that right now, right where we are. We can do it on Zoom or on the computer, on the phone. We can do it all kinds of ways. We can do that right now. What if Jesus came, right back, came back right now? Where would we be? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Are you ready for his coming? Would he come as your savior or as your judge? Are you ready for Jesus to come again? Let's pray. Father, we just pray that you would give us a deep conviction. A deep conviction.
that we would be ready. We know that this whole coronavirus is a birth pain. What's going on in the whole world, we've never seen anything like it that has just shut down the entire world. There is no accident, no matter what the facts are and how this is being used politically and, and whether it's, this is as serious as they say, that doesn't matter. The bottom line is you're in control and there is a pandemic of panic and fear that has shut down this world and you have a purpose in that. Doesn't matter what kind of crazy purposes some people might have in it, you have a purpose. You have a plan that you're fulfilling. We just pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and prepare us to be ready for the, the second coming of your Son, Jesus Christ. And if anybody here is listening right now have never put their faith in Jesus, they're not ready for that second coming, that they would do that right now. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. They would do it right now. Right where you are, you can pray the prayer of faith. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can believe in Jesus this very moment. A prayer from your heart to God's heart. God, I believe in Jesus. I believe He died on that cross for me for my sin, to break the power of sin in my life, to break the power of death in my life. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I put my faith in Him. I turn away from the sin and the garbage. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I give my life to Him. Have you taken that step of faith? You can do that right now. Father, I pray that Everyone who's hearing this would make sure of that, that they have put their faith in Jesus, that they're in Jesus Christ. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you have all put your faith in Jesus Christ, given your life to Him, recommitted your life to Him. And if you have done that and you need you don't have someone to share that with, maybe a family member or a friend or a church there, let me know. Once again, you can email me, nhcc at comcast.net, uh, email, or you can go on our website, www.newhopechurchpa.org, and you can contact us through that. But let us, let us know, because we will encourage you. We will be excited for you if you became a Christian. We'll help you to grow. We'll help you get connected to Christians wherever you live and to grow a ch good church where you live. Um, if you're around here, we'll, we'll make sure someone follows you up, disciples, mentors you. Uh, but but let somebody know. And uh, once again, this is the wraps up our first four prophecy sermons. And now after this, next what will be coming out? We're going to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel starts out with a, a lot of stories about getting through persecution, and then it moves into the prophetic, which sets us up for the book of Revelation. Okay, look forward to uh, seeing you next time. God bless.